0: Well, oh, good morning again. Good morning. So, so we're finishing up our series, Family Vacation, this week. And I, and I want to take some time this week and, and really look at what I think is part of the most important part uh, in the areas of parenting, and that's raising our children to seek God and to glorify God in everything that they do. And unfortunately, I think we as parents sometimes have failed at this, and, you know, we haven't successfully raised our children, and sometimes we may second guess it, but I think it's interesting. I was reading this week on former President um, George Bush, and he was asked the question, what is your greatest accomplishment in life? Now, we're talking President Bush. He could have talked about his time as a Navy pilot in World War II. He could have talked about his eight years as vice president under Ronald Reagan or his own presidency or maybe when he led the CIA or was maybe, you know, the U.S. ambassador to China. But you know what he said when he was asked that question? My children still come to see me. His biggest accomplishment in his whole life was that his parents, still came? Uh, his kids, still came to see them. They wanted to spend time with him. And, and so through the years he had spent that time with his children, that they wanted to be with him. They wanted to be with him at an older age. And I know, unfortunately, for some of us, we don't have that, where our kids want to be a part of our life. For some of us, we don't have kids. But each one of us still has this ability to be a parent or an authority figure in the next generation. Because every one of us probably have nieces or nephews or we have grandkids or we have neighborhood kids that happen to be around us all the time. You know, so we have this chance to influence the next generation. And hopefully as we influence this next generation, We'll be able to get them to look to glorify God and to seek God in everything they do. Understand that it's our investment into the future of this society, into the future of this world, and it all starts in the home. It starts in our neighborhoods, it starts where we're able to have that impact on the next generation. And, you know, we're not, we're not here to force people into our own mold. You know, I never wanted my kids to be like Dad. I didn't want them to be like me because I knew my flaws. I, I knew I messed up. I knew I wasn't perfect. So I didn't want them to be like me to the point that even when my son was born, I wouldn't give him my name because he had to have his own identity. I didn't want to have a junior. I wanted him to have his own identity, to be his own person, and my prayer was that he would grow up to be a Christ follower. That, that he would see Jesus in me and want to be more like Jesus than like his dad. Now, of course, if you ever see my son, you'll be able to say, oh, there's no doubting that that's... That you'll look at him and be like, oh, he's just a bigger version of him. Because he is bigger than me, but boy, you walk in a room, see each other, and oh, yep, that's your son because there's no denying him. But he's his own person, and he has his own personal relationship with Jesus. And I think today, as we look at the Scripture, and we're going to see these insights that I think will really help each one of us as we continue to walk this life. And and I really think that the best discipleship is modeled at home. You know, parents uh, parents are commanded to teach their children the ways of the Lord daily. It's what we've been called to do, and a lot of us, as we look back on our life now, we may have failed at doing this, but that's okay. We serve a God of second chances, and it means we get a second chance. We we may not have raised our kids in a Christian home because it may not have been a Christian home. Some people came to accepting Jesus later in life, and now their kids look at them like, what in the world is this, and where was this Jesus when I was growing up? But then some of us raised our kids in church and they've ran away from church. They've ran away from the sanctity of being a Christian because we as parents didn't live that Christian life. We didn't do what God's Word called us to do and we wore a mask inside church how we were holier than now, but then we were a totally different person at home. And then we wonder why our kids... Don't want to come see us. So with that being said, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pier in front of you. Or as always, it will be up here on the screen. Um, At least you guys can see it. I won't be able to see it today, but that's okay. So let's take some time and really dig into what family discipleship looks like according to God's Word. So Deuteronomy 6, verse 1 through 9, say this. These are the commands, decrees, and regulations that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. You must obey them in the land you are about to enter and occupy, and you and your children and grandchildren must fear the Lord your God as long as you live. If you obey all the decrees and commands, you will enjoy a long life. Listen closely, Israel. And be careful to obey. Then all will go well with you, and you will have many children in the land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today, Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road. When you are going to bed and when you are getting up, tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So, Heavenly Father, as we take time and we want to dig into your word today, Lord, open up our hearts that we may receive what it is you have for us. Open our minds that we may receive what you have. And, Lord, may my words be your words and may your name be glorified. And We make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I think as we begin to look at this, the first thing as as parents or as authority figures in people's lives The first thing we need to do is we need to live right. We need to live right in our life in order to be able to influence other people's. And I think successful parenting begins with that relationship with Jesus. If we have that relationship with Jesus, we're able to continue to pass it on to our own kids. And I don't think any parent can succeed in helping a child grow in the image of the Lord if they don't know the Lord. Think about that. You can't help your kid grow in the Lord if you don't know the Lord yourself. And it's one thing saying, well, I know the Lord, but not spending any time with him. or not doing what his word calls us to do. We have to be able to live that life and do what God's word calls us to do. And we need to be walking in that right relationship before the Lord because our kids are going to watch what we're doing instead of what we're saying. And if we're out here saying one thing but doing something else, do you really think your kids are going to walk with the Lord? Do you really think they're going to have that option to look and say, well, you know what, Mom and Dad, you only go to church a couple Sundays a a, a year, so why do I have to go to church every Sunday? Why do you drag me to Sunday school and then y'all go off and watch football? Why do you make me go to youth so that you can have a date night? All this kind of of sounds familiar to some people. I've seen it. I've heard it. I've done it myself. Hey, man, I get to take the kids and drop them off for two hours. Yeah. Go drop them off at church for two hours. Go out, do what you want to do. Come back and pick them up. What'd you learn in youth tonight? Oh, that's good. And then you go on and you live your life. That relationship has to start with you and you have to live it and you have to breathe it. So you have to be living right. Verse 2 tells us that we need to fear the Lord. We need to fear the Lord. Now understand, that's not a fear as in I'm afraid of the Lord. That's this walking in His awareness, His glory or His holiness, and walking in His majesty. We need to bring our lives under God's lordship. We need to be willing to walk with Him doing what his word calls us to do. And as we're doing what he calls us to do and we're living right, we're able to to be that godly parent or that godly authority figure in someone's life. It could be a godly grandparent. It could be a godly aunt or uncle. It could be a godly next door neighbor. But it's going to allow us to be that person. And I think that's that first step towards the wisdom in being able to pass on the Lord, to the next generation. We need to be living right. We we need to be doing what we're called to do. Remember, God's standards have to be our standards. God's standards have to be our standards. So many times in life, we worry about ourselves first. Well, I want this, or I want this, and and instead of going in and taking what God's word says on how we should be living our life, we want to do it on our own standards and do it our own way. But then we wonder why our kids talk back. Or we wonder why our kids act out. Or we wonder why this or that, or all of a sudden they're breaking curfew and they're not showing up back at the house on time. And you're, well, why, why are you doing this? Think of the standards that you set for your own kids. Are you actually doing what God's Word calls you to do each and every day in your life and in your relationships? Or are you playing Christian and your kids know it? Trust me, your kids will find out in a heartbeat if you're playing Christian. You start reading God's Word to them and this is what God's Word says. And all of a sudden they say, well, wait a minute, you're not doing that. God's Word says this, but you're doing this. And I'm guilty of it. I've been there in my own life. I've been there where I wasn't doing what God's Word called me to do. Meanwhile, I was telling my kids, they got to do what it says. That's mighty hypocritical, isn't it? Now, thank God, you know, he changed my life so that I could do the right thing by my kids and that my kids saw me walking with the Lord. They saw me fearing the Lord. Psalm 1 verses 1 through 3 says this. Now happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in its seasons and its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does, prosper. Children need to see that God holds a place in your life. They need to understand what God's word says. They need to know that God blesses tithing. Read Malachi. God blesses your tithing. God will bless their honesty. Philippians chapter 4, and 1 Thessalonians. And our faithfulness is blessed by God, according to Matthew 25. So if you're not seeing these blessings in your life and all you're seeing is this aggravation, this pain, this struggle, maybe it's time for you to go back and say, hey, am I really living this life? Am I living the life that I should be living for God or am I living this life that I want for myself? And then think of the life that your kids are seeing. And understand, teenagers are going to catch you that much quicker They're going to know where you're messed up. They're going to know where you're jacked up. And they're going to call you out for it. If you're not living the life you're called to live, but you're trying to force that mold of living a godly life on your kids and you're not doing it, you're going to have a struggle. We need to do what we're called to do. They learn what they observe, and they observe what they learn. Your kids will learn more about you just by watching you and listening to what you say and do than anything else. So are you living right? Are you living the right life in front of your kids and your grandkids or even the next door neighbors? Because if we're going to try and speak God's truth, we got to be living God's truth. Amen? Amen? Amen. The next thing we need to do is we need to love right. Again, it may seem that, you know, it doesn't, have a lot to do with parenting. But your kids need to know you love Him. Your kids need to know that you love the Lord. Just as important as your kids seeing you love right, they need to see that you love Jesus. And they need to understand that nothing comes between you and Jesus first in your life. You see, many of us unfortunately have had idols in our life. You know, our job, our favorite activity. Maybe it's staying home from church to watch NASCAR on a Sunday. Maybe it's going fishing, hunting, whatever it may be. The kids are going to see that difference and they're going to see that as an idol in your life. We're to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, our soul, and our strength. And if we're not loving him the way we should be loving him, what's that going to tell our kids? It's going to kind of tell them it's okay just to say the words but not do them, right? We need to be able to show that love and do it on a consistent basis with ourselves and with our family. Our love needs to be that focused love on the Lord. It doesn't need to be on everything, anything else. And understand that if He's our focus, our kids are going to understand that No one or no thing is going to get between us and Jesus. Nothing. My kids know that Jesus is the number one love of my life, and I'm going to do everything I can to do what he calls me to do first. And my bride is number two. My kids are number three on the list. Some of them may be five or six on the list. They know my first love is going to be for Jesus and do what Jesus called me to do. They know the second is going to be my bride, their mom. There's a pecking order to it. But Jesus has to be the beginning of it, and our love needs to be fixed on him, and this love for God should motivate us in every part of our life. It should motivate us to do what is right even when the world says it's wrong. And when the world says it's right and we know it's wrong by God's word, then we need to not do it. It don't matter if everyone else is doing it. If everyone else jumps off a bridge, we ain't going to jump off a bridge. If society says it's the thing to do, well, then go ahead. Society, jump off a bridge. I'm going to do what God's word calls me to do. And guess what? That's very countercultural to what the world calls today. But we need to love the Lord. We need to live right and do what he calls us to do. The next thing we need to do is we need to learn. I think it's interesting in these verses. Moses reveals the importance of the Word of God. And he, he talks about it in how important it is in the role of parenting. We need to take the Word of God, and it needs to be a primary motivator in our life because if it motivates our life to dig in and study and understand what God's Word says, what do you think it's going to do for our kids or our grandkids? our nieces and nephews. If they see we get up in the morning, the first thing we do is, hey, I'd love to talk, but I need my morning devotion. Let me take my time with God first. You think maybe they'll start doing the same thing? Because they're going to see you're doing it. They're going to see you taking that time. They're going to see you studying God's word and they're going to take their own interest into studying God's word. Because understand, nothing can happen through you until it happens in you. Let me say that again. Nothing can happen through you until it happens in you. So if you don't have a life change on the inside and and you're not doing what God's word calls you to do, do you really think you're going to be able to affect somebody else if you're not doing it yourself? If it hasn't affected your heart, how is your heart going to affect somebody else? Your kids grow up just like you. As much as we may not want our kids to grow up like us, they've been watching you since they were this tall. They've been mimicking you since you've been this tall. Every one of us can probably think of a time when our kids were mimicking mom or dad. And you kind of chuckle about it. They do what you do. I saw a video this week. Dad's out there cutting the grass, and he turns around, and the little kids behind him Push his little playlum or cutting the grass. They're going to follow us and they're going to mimic what we do. So our life needs to be sorted and looking to what God calls it to be, looking to glorify Him and doing His will. And as we take that time in digging into God's word, you notice what it said here? Tell them again and again. Because we know kids don't listen the first time, right? Did y'all listen the first time to your parents? I didn't. Boy, I'd stretch that line, see how close. Oh, let let me stretch it. It tells us to be repeated again and again. And I think that not only goes for the younger generation, I think it goes for us too. Because if we've got to say it again and again, maybe we'll actually learn what it says ourselves. Because if we've got to repeat it and we've got to say it, generally, not only are we doing it, but it's inside of us. What's getting inside of us and we're starting to understand what it means and what it says. But we need to do it again and again. And, you know, way too many of us were raised on the wrong words. Because I said so. You need to do this because I said so. Well, no, you need to do this because this is what God's word says. This is what God, this within God's will. This will glorify God. But we're raised on because I said so. You're going to do it now because I said so. You'd be able to go draw that switch. What do you mean, no? Don't ever tell mom or dad no. Yeah, what part of no don't you understand? But we need, we need to be living it. We need to be have that faith in God and looking at what He's called us to do. And one thing, verses eight and nine always struck me funny. And don't take them verses out of context. Um, the Pharisees misuse these words all the time. Of these verses, all the time. You know, there are people that would actually take little boxes of leather. And they'd wear them with a the leather strap around their forehead or they'd wear them on their wrist. And, and some Orthodox Jews still do to this day. And what they do is they take pieces of Scripture, the law, and they, they'd have it inside there and they'd wear it on their wrist or on their forehead. I think God's a little more practical than that. He wants that, His Word to be saturated in our lives. And the only way you're going to saturate God's word in in your life so that it motivates you to do what you're called to do, is by spending time in it. By spending time opening up his word. By spending time reading his word. By spending time watching or reading devotionals. Taking time to do what he calls us to do. And I think if we do what we're called to do as parents and grandparents or nieces, uh, aunts and uncles, and even neighbors, I think the next generation can be blessed because of us. I think we could make a difference in the next generation. And, And yes, some of them will rebel for a while just like some of us did. We were raised in that Christian home. We watched our parents do what they were called to do. And we hit college and we're like, mm-mm, woo-hoo, it's on. I'm out of the house. I don't have to do what my parents told me to do. I get to live this life, and Lord knows my college instructors want me to live a totally different life than what my parents wanted me to live. And then the prayer is that they'll come back because it's been set inside of them. They've seen it throughout their whole life how they're, how they're, that authority figure in their life feared the Lord. They loved the Lord. They took time in his word. They studied his word and they lived it out each and every day of their life. So then they start to go into college and they start to go away and they start to stray. They remember those days when times get tough, when things aren't going the way they should have gone because we've said god's word over and over and again and again to them that actually started to penetrate their life that now in a time of trouble they seek him and they start to look to the lord because all of that training that's been inside them and all that discipleship that's been inside them as they were being raised is now coming back to the surface and then they come back to the lord and that's always the prayer of every parent who has someone who has a child that goes away. But remember, it needs to start when they're young. It's a whole lot easier to raise a child than to change an adult. A whole lot easier to raise a child than change an adult. Because once we become an adult, we're kind of like our own thing. Mom and Dad, you ain't telling me nothing anymore until I hit about my mid-20s and all of a sudden mom and dad know everything again. We need to understand that the Lord needs to help us to do everything in our power to do the best we can do. We're going to fail. We're going to make mistakes because all of us do. As I say each week, none of us are perfect. Every one of us falls short of glory of God. But we need to be looking to do what's right. How would you feel if your child grew up to be a Christian? How would you feel? Feel pretty good, wouldn't you? You'd feel blessed, man, like, wow, look at this. My kid grew up, man, look. at My kid grew up and he's a deacon. Man, my kid become a pastor. My kid's leading worship. My kids in church every Sunday, teaching Sunday school, teaching Wednesday night. Man, it is absolutely awesome. It's not reality, though, is it? Man, my kid comes to church about as much as I came to church. It was never a priority in my life. And yeah, they accepted Jesus, you know, and they accepted Jesus when they were 12. And, you know, I don't think they've been to church since they were 18, You know, since they moved out of the house, but I did good. Did you really? Did you really? Did they really accept Jesus, or is that that fantasy of well, they went up to an altar call at youth camp when they were 12 years old, so so they're saved and they have no fruit of the spirit inside them. They don't go to church. They cuss like sailors. They don't live the life. As a matter of fact, they're living with their boyfriend or they're living with their girlfriend, and they're not doing what God's word calls them to do. And their kids are seeing this, but they want their kids to go to church. Sound familiar? Does that hit home with anybody? How can you expect your kids to grow up and be and seek Jesus if you're not doing what, you call, what you're called to do? And if you haven't done what you're called to do and your kids aren't calling you and your kids aren't living that life and now you're trying to live that life, maybe you need to go back and apologize to your kids. I'm sorry I messed up. I'm sorry I didn't live that Christian life. I only put it on on Sundays. I know I wasn't doing what God's Word told us to do, and and, and, and I want to apologize for that, but but please forgive me and let's try and do it right. Because each one of us wants to see our kids in heaven, correct? We want to see our kids in heaven, and, and we want to have that glorious day together. But some of us have really messed up. And then some of us are too proud to actually admit that we were wrong. That we made a mistake. And and maybe we didn't raise our kids the way we should have raised our kids. Or or maybe we didn't take God as serious as we should have taken it. You have the ability to change that. Each one of us can make tomorrow a better day than today. If we've got older, older kids who who aren't involved in church because of the life that we were living back then, maybe it's time to sit down and have that conversation. Well, maybe you're actually living that life right now. You're not doing what God's Word says, but you're trying to make your kids think, well, this is what God's Word says, and this is what we're going to go by, even though I don't live by it. Do as I say, not as I do. Because that's so easy to do as an adult, isn't it? Don't you question me. I'm your mom. I'm your dad. I can live in sin, but you can't. I can do this, but you can't, because I'm the adult. Where's that going to get the kids later in life? If you're going to claim to have that life, you need to live that life all the time. Remember, the best discipleship is modeled at home, and parents are commanded to teach their children the ways of the lord daily yes we've made mistakes every one of us i can honestly say just like president bush i'm glad my kids still come to see me now granted they may not physically come to see me because of located all over the us but I hear from at least one of my kids every day. They'll FaceTime me. They'll call me up. They'll text message me. Every day. You know what a blessing it is to hear from your kids every day? Some of us will never hear from our kids again. Some of us have kids who are alive that we will never hear from again because of the life that we lived. Don't play Christian. Be a Christian. Be who God honestly called you to be. And if you've messed up, apologize to you kids for messing up. Because I will tell you, one of the hardest things is if you come to Christ later in life and, and the kids are grown by then, they're going to ask that, man, where was this Jesus when I was growing up? Where is this love that I see? Where was this kindness that I see? Because some of us broke our kids when they were young. Take the time to apologize. And if you're not living that Christian life, take the time to apologize and do what's right. If you're living with some type of sin in your life, confess that sin. Confess it, put it behind you, and move on. Do what God called you to do. Make an investment in the next generation, whether they're your own kids, your grandkids, nieces, nephews, or your next-door neighbors. Make an investment to be a disciple to these kids, to the next generation. The next generation, it only takes a generation to mess up an entire world. We're already seeing less and less of the next generation in church. And I think a lot of it is because all that time their parents weren't going to church. Where they were playing Christian. If we want to affect the next generation, each one of us need to do our part. Whether it's with your kids, your grandkids, nieces, nephews, or even your next door neighbor. Be who Jesus called you to be. And if you failed that, give it back to him. Ask him to give you the strength. Ask him to give you the ability to change yourself first. Because remember, you're not never going to change anyone else until you change yourself. And it's got to start on the inside. And, and maybe you're sitting here saying, well, pastor, that's all good. And, and I didn't play Christian for my kids because I wasn't a Christian. You know, Pastor, I messed up, you know, and I, I, I don't know if Jesus will accept me. And I've done some bad things, and I've messed up my life, and and my kids don't call me. My kids want nothing to do with me. I don't get to see my grandkids. Don't have no nieces and nephews. Because I've messed up. I've messed up my life. Well God's word says that we're all sinners. and that each one of us falls short of glory of God. Every one of us, including me, we're all sinners, we all fall short and if you're waiting for that day of I just need to get it right and when I get it right, I'm gonna come to Jesus. You'll be waiting a long time. Be waiting a long time. See, it needs to change on the inside to make that change on the outside. And Jesus makes that change on the inside. God's word says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It's a heart issue. It's a matter of getting your heart right and changing from the inside. Because once you change from the inside, then you can affect the outside. So if you're here today, you've never accepted Jesus and you're waiting to get your act together, today is a day of salvation. Today is a day. Take that step during this final song. You can come up front. I'll be off to the side. You can go ahead and come over to me. We'll talk about it. We'll pray about it. And we'll welcome you to our messed up, jacked up family. Because we are. We're messed up and we're jacked up. Even if we're going to try and act like we're not. Remember, God knows your heart. He knows how messed up you are. He knows how jacked up you are. But man, every one of us is loved. We are loved unconditionally by Him. And praise God for that. And maybe you're here and you're saying, Well, Pastor, you know, I've I really got to. I've messed up as a parent. I've messed up as a grandparent. And I need to do what's right. Well, you can either come up here to the altar or you can write where you're sitting today. Have that conversation with God. Lord, I messed up raising my kids. Lord, I played Christian for too long. Lord, I'm living in sin right now, living with someone I'm not married to. And we're doing things we shouldn't be doing. Lord, forgive me and put me back on that right path. Maybe you're just stuck. And today's the day you get to become unstuck. Give it back to him and get that freedom that only he can provide. Amen. Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, Lord, and and we look at families and family discipleship, Lord, so many different variations just inside this room. Lord, we have people who have lost their children. who will never have that chance. And Lord, we have people who treat their children like they were an issue instead of a favor from you. Lord, we have people here who were never married and don't have any kids. But Lord, each one of us can affect change in someone else's life just like you can affect change in ours. So, Lord, I ask that you be with us, that we will open up our eyes and see what it is that you want from us. Lord, that we will stop playing Christian and that we will do what your word calls us to do, that we will seek you with our whole hearts, with all of our strength, with all of our soul, with all of our being, Lord, that we will seek you all in all first. and that we will affect change because you have changed us. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to